This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Iran has retaliated against the United States following a U.S. strike that killed Iranian leader Qasem Soleimani, attacking a U.S. military installation in Iraq, but there were apparently no casualties. The president claims that Iran has taken no additional action. Cato's John Glazer and Chris Preble discuss what ought to happen next. We may have been uh, last night uh, sort of at the precipice of the next round of escalation. Um, um, But then the scale of the Iranian attack against the base in Iraq uh, did not result in American casualties. It did not apparently result even in Iraqi casualties. And so the anticipated US retaliation for that strike never occurred. Um, That doesn't mean that there won't be another Iranian attack. It doesn't mean that there won't be another U.S. retaliation, but we were, it seemed, uh, trapped in a tit-for-tat escalatory cycle. And uh, for the moment, we're recording on nine o'clock on Wednesday morning. For the moment, um, that has not occurred past past last night. You know, it it feels like everybody wants to de-escalate this and yet the the natural expected response to uh anything that either side does is escalation. Mhm. Right, I was I was disappointed by some of the folks that I follow on Twitter who I expected better of commenting on how the United States could retaliate sort of commenting on US capabilities without pausing to consider whether or not that actually made sense from an American national interest and American grand strategic perspective. So, and this is, you know, I might sound like a broken record. This is the power problem. When you have the ability to hit anything anywhere, whenever you feel like it, that doesn't mean that it's a good idea to hit anything you feel like wherever, you know, it's, it's, this is the, this is the problem that U.S. foreign policy is in. But it's also revealing how nonsensical the, the general strategic approach is because, you know, with each escalation, with each tit that is then met by a tat, uh, one the side that is acting thinks that okay, this will be the final. This will deter any further action by the other party. This will demonstrate to them that we have the capabilities to make this too costly for them to want to engage in this. And yet each retaliation is met with a further escalation. So when we killed Soleimani, the Trump administration said, well, we're reestablishing deterrence. We're trying to deter further future Iranian actions against us in the region. And their immediate response was to bomb one of our bases with US personnel uh, in Iraq. So that clearly did not reestablish deterrence. What this is doing is spiraling out of control. And you know, because of the measured response last night from Iran, things have seemed to have quieted down. They essentially gave Donald Trump an invitation to de-escalate because they know he doesn't want another major ground war. And on their side, they know that they're significantly outmatched conventionally and in every other domain by the United States. We should also remember, of course, uh, we should remember how we got here, uh, which is we had a diplomatic process that was working. President Trump blew it up, I think impulsively, I think without really understanding what the deal was doing. Um, And so uh, there is still hope 
not much, but there is some hope that because we had a functioning diplomatic process previously, that we had that had strong support uh, within the international community, uh, including importantly all of our UN permanent uh, UN Security Council permanent members, um, and that that. Uh, deal is still available to us if we wish to go back to it. But of course, the Iranians have uh, fi- you know, progressively uh, uh, stopped abiding by the deal, uh, not surprisingly, since the United States uh, did as well. Um, and so uh, it seems to me now at this pause that we're in right now, whether or not we should revisit whether, whether that was a better approach than the Trump administration's maximum pressure campaign. And of course, the tricky thing about de-escalating and trying to find ways to maybe mediate, you know, there's some talk about the Europeans getting involved or the Qataris to sort of de-escalate between the United States and Iran. Um, that depend the success of that approach depends on what the starting points for each side is. So the starting point for Iran is bring everybody back into conformity with the terms of the JCPOA. And the starting point for the Trump administration seems to be Iran come and kiss the ring. The president, best I can tell, wants face-to-face diplomacy of the um, ostentatious sort that he received with North Korea in order to reach some new deal that you know the details can be waved aside, but it'll be his deal and not Obama's. And that's just not going to cut it for the Iranians. They feel that they've been wronged and they're right. We engaged in a deal. Trump broke the deal and then punished the Iranians for complying with it. Uh, And so reverting back to the status quo ante where we had an open diplomatic channel, we had a nuclear agreement that was working and we were lifting sanctions, that should be the starting point. But Trump may demand something else and that could ruin the prospects for mediation and diplomacy. In the the killing of Soleimani, there are so many people who are uh, on the president's side here uh, when it comes to undertaking that action. No one seemed to pause uh, to say whether or not it was the United States' job to engage in this killing. In fact, some people tried to blame him for 9-11. Right. So it's true. Iran doesn't have a lot of friends in this town uh, or in this country. Um, and um, it's it, it's never a sort of, you know, if you're a betting person, it's, you know, betting on, on hawkishness towards Iran is a, is a pretty safe bet. Um, but Th- there was much more to this killing of Soleimani than than just uh, Iran and sort of in the long train of U.S. Iran relations. Uh, the the ability of the United States to carry out a uh, decapitation strike and to assassinate Soleimani was was available to us for some time, and yet uh, neither President Bush nor President Obama took that option because they realized that uh, that it would have broad ramifications that were not worth the benefit uh, of of taking Soleimani off the, the off the battlefield so to speak um, Donald Trump acted impulsively. He did not think through what the likely ramifications would be. And then and immediately after he made that decision, uh, the reporting suggests, much to the horror of some other senior uh, Trump administration officials, especially national security officials, is they couldn't believe that he took advantage of this opportunity uh, because precisely because uh, the the likely second and third order effects would be horrific. The the 
action in a sovereign state, Iraq, that we claim to be allied with, um, not surprisingly undermined America's position inside of Iraq fairly dramatically. So that is something to bear that bears watching. Um, the vote of the Iraqi parliament was non-binding, but the the sentiment inside of Iraq is clear that the presence of US forces there is unpopular. Um, and I think uh, whether or not the United the, the Iraqi government will continue to extend protections to US forces is an open question. And I also think that going back to the Trump administration's professed uh, attention to great power competition, uh, and especially with China, uh, how does this action play into that broader uh, strategic objective? And the answer is not well. Um, within uh, just within the past few days, uh, Russia and China have executed a joint military operation, uh, apparently with Iran. And so, uh, does this action uh, actually advance U.S. strategic interests, not merely in the Persian Gulf and in the Greater Middle East? But more broadly than that, uh, I'm, I don't think it does. Just to drill down on something Chris sort of implicitly identified here is that, look, the longer U.S. troops are in Iraq, the longer we make them vulnerable to attack by choice. Their mission is essentially over. Uh, the fight against ISIS is ramping down. The local actors in the region should be able to handle it. Why are we still in this country, especially after the Iraqi parliament voted in a non-binding resolution to, to kick us out? Why are we there? We violated the agreement, according to the prime minister, for keeping U.S. troops there. And of course, Iran reminded us last night, but also in their words, that if a war does break out, they will begin to target our military bases. So we need to question the strategic wisdom of keeping military bases all around Iran. We have uh, about 60,000 troops in the Middle East, and yet we're supposed to be devoting resources to great power competition. Uh, it seems like this is a good opportunity to start withdrawing. John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Chris Preble is vice president for defense and foreign policy studies at Cato. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 